Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, Modern Day Debate fam, thanks for joining us tonight and checking out this live stream. I want to thank, first of all, Mr. Batman, Dapper Dino, and Erica for being here. I think most of the, most of the people in the audience will know all of them. And um, thanks for helping me out tonight, Erica, as well. Um, so, so just to kick it off here, I want to say for just in case you're new to the channel, we try to keep this a, a not a bipartisan and um, unpartisan um, platform so that everybody has an equal playing field and that everybody can express their ideas without any type of backlash. Um, so let's try and keep it pretty pretty clean in the in the chat and um, if there's any questions that you have if you want to you can send them over to gutstick gibbon erica she'll be watching the chat you can just uh, tag her with your questions she's going to keep those for the q a portion at the end okay i'm collecting all baby i'm ready <laughs> so tonight we're talking about are birds dinosaurs it's uh promising to be an interesting topic for sure all right, so um, I guess since the question is, are birds dinosaurs? Um, Dapper, would you like to kick it off? I can absolutely do that. Uh, do you mind if I screen share? If that doesn't work, I can also just switch my webcam over to my slideshow. Uh, if you give me one second, I will... I'll, I'll, hit that the start for I'll start screen sharing. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> there you go. All right. And let me just make sure my transitions work. Yep. Okay. So uh, let me know when you guys are ready to start. We're doing uh, 10 minutes, right? Are we doing 10 minutes to start? Yeah, or? yeah you can take 10 minutes. Fine. Okay. I probably won't use up the whole 10 minutes. I've done this, this little spiel a few other times, but uh, let me know when you're ready to start the timer and I will go. We're going to cut you off the second you're over, Dapper. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> once you once you start on your first word, I'll hit the timer. Okay. Are we ready? We uh, are. Yeah. All right. So this is uh, Did Birds Evolve from Dinosaurs? So uh, first, I really want to start out with what I'm not arguing because I think that's very important. I am not arguing that there is no God. I am not arguing that abiogenesis was naturalistic. I'm not arguing that the genetic code was not invented by some intelligent mind. All of those questions could have any answer, and the facts on this debate will remain the same, as will the conclusions that one must come to. So, now that that's out of the way, let's actually look at some of the reasons why we know for a fact that birds are in fact dinosaurs. First, dinosaurs are all in the group Archosaur, which is a larger category encompassing dinosaurs, crocodilians, and some other groups like pterosaurs and things that aren't quite crocodilians. And we know this because of a number of traits that they share that are diagnostic for Archosauria. Birds have two temporal fenestrae, which is the holes at the back of the head that you can see up on this 
more basal archosaur skull, as well as in the back and sort of bottom you know, this uh, bird skull. Birds have an antiorbital fenestra, which is an opening to lighten the skull up. It houses a sinus behind it, and that is in front of the orbit, as you can see in front of this orbit up at the top and down where the bird is. They also have a palatal process of the maxilla, which meets in the midline, which is an unusual thing for most reptiles, but it is actually very common in archosaurs, and it's actually one of the reasons why um, crocodilians can do things like hold their breath for so long, because they actually have uh, a, a false palate built off of this that uh, helps them hold their breath. But birds also have this feature in their skulls. And birds also lack a parietal foramen, which is common in non-archosaur reptiles like lizards and snakes and the tuatara, but it is entirely absent in all archosaurs. <clears throat> Further ways that we can know that birds are archosaurs. Birds use beta-keratin, which is a form of keratin that is characteristic of birds and crocodilians only. So there's this connection there. Now, we don't have a lot of fossil evidence for this, but it is evidence that the next closest group to birds are, in fact, the modern crocodilians, despite their appearances of being very different. Also, unlike non-archosaur reptiles, archosaurs have what's called thecodont teeth. Now, <clears throat> modern birds do not have teeth, but there are many ancient things that are generally accepted as being birds that did have teeth, and they were all thecodont teeth. We also come to the fourth trochanter of the femur, which is a little projection on the back end of the femur that attaches to tail mu or muscles that attach from there to the tail. And it's present in all archosaurs and only archosaurs. And on the left, we have a critosaurus, which is a kind of a duck-billed dinosaur. And on the right, we also have the same fourth trochanter on the uh, Cathartes aureus skull, which is the, uh, the turkey vulture, if you're familiar with those. All right. But let's zoom into Dinosauria, because it's not just our birds archosaurs, it's our birds specifically dinosaurs. Well, just like with Archosauria, we have a few specific aspects of anatomy that are important to determining whether or not an animal is a dinosaur. One is a crocodile reverse angle. So if you look at the bottom left, we have two diagrams of sort of simplified foot arrangement. On the left is the crocodile normal version, in which the astragalus and the calcaneum label A and C, interface against each other in multiple planes using a ball and socket type joint. But on the right, we have a crocodile reverse in which the astragalus and calcaneum do not move relative to each other and the entire foot only can rotate on the sagittal plane. This is an adaptation for more energy efficient walking at the cost of having uh, less flexibility and birds retain this style of ankle joint. We also have a sin sacrum, which is characteristic of all dinosaurs. Now, the degree of fusion in the sin sacrum will vary and some dinosaurs have a bit less but most of them had a very strongly fused sin sacrum, which is composed of the sacral arches and the um, sacral vertebrae, of which all dinosaurs have more than three, and most have many more than three. And so you can see on the right, we have a passerine pelvis. So this is the, the pelvis of something like a dove or a sparrow. And at the bottom, we have a sauropod pelvis. So this is something like a, a brachiosaurus or an apatosaurus. And they both have this characteristic large number of uh, sacral vertebrae and that fused sin sacrum where the vertebrae are fused strongly to the sacral arches. All right, and one of the most defining characteristics and one of the most long-known signs that you are definitely dealing with a dinosaur is called the open acetabulum. The acetabulum is the area in your hip where the uh, femur sockets into it to create the actual hip joint. In dinosaurs, it is characteristically just a ring of bone which you can see at the bottom in this ornithischian uh, pelvis, which is a generalized ornithischian pelvis. This isn't a specific genus. But we also have, up top, we have a duck 
pelvis, and they're actually facing opposite ways. So the duck pelvis is the front of that duck would be to the right, and the dinosaur down at the bottom would front would be the left. But you can see in both cases there's an open acetabulum. On the top, it's labeled AM, and so that is another key feature which makes birds dinosaurs. It doesn't just mean they evolve from dinosaurs; it means they are because that's what a dinosaur is. But even more specifically. Birds are a particular kind of dinosaur. They're not just any old dinosaur. They're specifically theropods, and they share many important traits that we know other theropods had. So for instance, they have a furcula, which is the wishbone that you might break at Thanksgiving. Well, pictured up on the left is a T-Rex furcula. That is the same bone. They are fused clavicles that help support muscles in the arm. They also have a radius and ulna that are locked together. When you rotate your wrist, so um, you know back and forth, or not back well, you know, whatever. When you rotate your wrist, what is actually happening is none of the bones in your wrist are really moving. Your radius and ulna are moving relative to each other. But theropods couldn't do that because their radius and ulna were locked together. They also have, both birds and many theropods, we know, had an air sac system, where rather than the lungs expanding, they use air sacs throughout the body to actually inhale and exhale and use unidirectional breathing through the airspace, which is a much more efficient system than you get in mammals which is one of the reasons that bats have to have an insanely high metabolism, but birds can have a slightly lower one. They also have the semi-lunate carpal, birds do. Now this is not all theropods, but it is a certain group of theropods, and you can see that in the top right. This is a fusion of several carpal bones, which allows the uh, hand to actually fold against the arm along the, uh, the outside, so along the ulna. Now only manoraptorans, in fact, specifically eumanoraptorans, including birds, have this. So there's a wide group of dinosaurs that includes this, and it, that group also includes birds. Well, what about feathers and scales? These seem like they're very different things. Well, they're both made out of that same beta keratin that we mentioned before. They both developed from placos. Both actually use the same genes. You don't need new genes to get feathers. They also receive different regulatory signals. That is the difference, is when certain genes turn on and off. And alligators, as we can see in, the, in this picture, will grow feathers if given the right signals, especially using retinoic acid and beta catenin. Scientists have managed to get alligator embryos to grow simple feathers. All right, and speaking of feathers, we have a large number of feathered dinosaurs that are definitely not birds. And we have just pictured here a tiny fraction of them, including Anchiornis, Genuine Long, Codipteryx, Sinoscolopteryx, Sinoornithosaurus, Sinoceropteryx, Eutyrannus, and in the bottom left, we have feather details from Galindodromius, which is a dinosaur that is extremely not bird-like. It is as, as little like a bird as you can possibly get while being a dinosaur. So feathers were common all throughout Dinosauria. But the creationist favorite uh, paleoornithologist, Alan Fiducia, says that these feathers are just collagen. There are some problems here. These feather fossils contain detailed branching patterns inconsistent with preserved collagen, and collagen doesn't have melanosomes but preserved feathers do. And that's actually one of the reasons all the life constructions I've used in this are actually based on melanosome data so that we know the color is at least approximately right. And in the case of this Microraptor, the detailed pictures we got with scanning electron microscopes were so incredibly detailed that we could tell that it has structural color, giving it a sheen like a modern day crow, even though this is not a bird. All right. We can even tell if the feathers had rufous or black melanin. Rufous melanin gives you a sort of rusty orangey-red color. You can see it on, say, uh, the, the breast of a male robin. That's rufous melanin. And that's why we know that this Sinoceropteryx had red stripes on its tail. All right, 
Well, one thing is uh, there's a lot of incredulity saying, well, you mean T-Rex evolved from, or uh, birds evolved from T-Rex? No, not at all. T-Rex is not in the right group of salurosaurs to be a viable bird ancestor. Other organisms such as Velociraptor and Troodon are much closer to birds, and the creation's favorite archaeornithologist actually thinks that even T-Rex is probably a bird because it has now gotten to the point where all of these dinosaurs are so bird-like that the only people left in the scientific community who don't think that dinosaurs are birds are having to claim that basically T-Rex is a bird. Um, also, birds evolved in the mid-Jurassic, not the late Cretaceous when T-Rex was around. So any dinosaur from the late Cretaceous definitely didn't evolve into a bird unless it already was one. All right, and this is the group in which we find birds and their very closest um, uh, relatives. In fact, this cladogram that I'm showing was published today, several hours before this debate. Birds are specifically Paravian dinosaurs. This group not only includes animals like Archaeopteryx and Anchiorus, which are very much bird-like, but also forms like Velociraptor and Troodon, which are much less bird-like. In fact, Velociraptor, you might remember from Jurassic Park. The real yeah, one was- 20 seconds. Okay. So uh, there's not an obvious place to differentiate birds from these dinosaurs. If you want to refute me, just find a bird that doesn't meet the definition for a dinosaur or find one that, or just prove that I'm wrong about bird anatomy. And there you go. All right. Thanks so much for that opening. You are welcome. All right. We'll kick it back over to, or we'll kick it over to Mr. Batman for your opening. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I do appreciate you having me on here. And I must say, Mr. Dapper, he's put a lot of work into his science fiction, I will say that. I happen to be an elementary science teacher. He uses lots of big words. Ooh, I'm scared. But he's actually presupposing lots of different things that he cannot justify from natural science, from the scientific realm. You know, um, again, what is evolution? What powers evolution? Um, it makes much more sense to say that these things came from a common designer using a common template rather than these things came about by random chance and happenstance. Now, the first thing he tried to do was set the stage by saying, well, I'm not going to try and debate abiogenesis. And that would be wise because he has no position for which to stand on that particular issue. The next thing he said is uh, that all these different dinosaurs have different skulls with holes in them and back in the heads and, and this and that and the other. But wait a minute. The skull actually implies design. You know what? Even my skull implies design. The design of the skull itself is to house the brain, to protect the eyes, to be able to utilize the different senses such as taste, such as nostrils, such as hearing. These things imply purpose, a pragmatism, a pragmatic designer. Now, um, again, when you're talking about evidence, you can't be using evolution because evolution and lie right straight from the pit of hell because we have things called the second law of thermodynamics. And the second law of thermodynamics does not allow for bigger, better, stronger, faster, smarter things as they go through time. It does not work that way. As a matter of fact, we see quite the opposite. We see something called genetic entropy. Now, this genetic entropy is true in every single biological system without fail. But wait a minute, before we even get there, I digress. Because each and every one of these organisms that you have appealed to, they have a multiplicity of systems, which each one of these systems in its own right is irreducibly complex. If I remember correctly, according to my notes here, the little bit of notes that I've been taking, 
um, that each one of these systems, these particular biological organisms that you've appealed to, each has a respiratory system, each has a circulatory system, each has a nervous system, each has the ability to reproduce. These systems in their own right are irreducibly complex. And when you talk about the circulatory system, the circulatory system itself, even in birds, requires at least three basic parts. Heart, the blood, and the veins in the arteries. Now, the heart itself pumps the blood through the veins and arteries and allows the oxygen to come in and the carbon dioxide to come out. Now, which one of those things evolve first, and how do you know? Now, especially since we have birds have a unique respiratory system, but still, even in its own right, it's irreducibly complex, and it gets worse. It's actually interdependent upon other irreducibly complex systems, such as, again, the respiratory system, then again, the nervous system, then again, the skeletal system, the muscular system, the endocrine system, the reproductive system. I could go on and on and on. And this is just very basic scientific knowledge. Now, another thing he said was, uh, again, that there's you know some things called fossil evidence, and there's not much in the way of fossil evidence. Well, I would agree with that, because fossils are billions with a B, dead things laid down by sedimentary layers of water all over our planet. Now, that's not evidence for anything other than a global flood, just like what God said he would do when he judged the entire planet with a global flood. Now, he also said that some um, different birds used to have teeth. Actually, do you know some birds still do? Chickens have what they call the egg tooth. And that is specially designed on the end of their beak so they can get out of that egg. The egg itself is specially designed in order to function the way it does. Oh, and did you know that uh, eggs must be turned and warmed? That's what the hen does. When the hen lays the egg, the, the hen actually spins and warms that egg. If it doesn't do this, then guess what? The egg dies. So where did the hen learn to do this? This is an intrinsic behavior. This is an instinctive behavior that is designed into the system by a loving, living, logical lawgiver designer. His name is Yahuwah, Yahweh, Yehoshua, Yeshua. You might know him by his Greek name, Jesus. Now, you also mentioned different types of anatomy, foot arrangement, uh, ankle joints, things of that nature. You know what? Um, adaptation. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a problem for your worldview as well. Because when we look at these different types of foot arrangement, these foot arrangements are designed for that particular organism to function in a particular way. Have you ever heard of a woodpecker? The woodpecker is very specially designed. Its beak and its feet are designed to hold onto the sides of the tree. So it can actually bash its head against that particular piece of wood and it's specially designed, its brain is specially designed with a special cushion on the inside, especially hard beak. Um, it actually has special muscles around its eye because every time it hits that piece of wood, it closes its eyes so tightly because if it didn't, its eyes would pop out and that would kind of be a problem for the next generation. Now, when we think about adaptation, Adaptation cannot happen unless you have some kind of mechanism that is powering evolution. That would be my question to you. What is the power source or the uh, engine that powers evolution? Now, again, when we're talking about adaptation, adaptation cannot occur unless the information pre-exists 
the adaptation process. That is, if you're going to have natural selection, the information for what you are selecting for must pre-exist the selection process. Let me give you an example. If you're going to go and select, just say your mommy went to send you to the grocery store to get a gallon of milk. If you're going to go to that uh, grocery store and get that gallon of milk, if the gallon of milk is not on the shelf for you to select for it, guess what? You can't select for it. So the selection process requires whatever is being selected for to pre-exist the selection. So where did it come from? Mutation cannot give you this adaptation process either. Mutation, again, is a copying error of the existing working information. So since we have mutation in every single generation, and once again, these are copying errors of the existing functioning information and in order to have a copying error guess what you have to have you have to have a completely functional self-replicating system so where did that completely functional self-replicating system come from so you could get any kind of mutation which you would might suppose give you adaptation um you also mentioned uh, pelvis being similar in birds and also in dinosaurs hip joints and things of this nature once again, this all points to a designer that used a particular template. As a matter of fact, we, we look at our hands. This is a pendactyl system, five, pen, penta, five-digit system. Do you know that's throughout a lot of the animal world? Why? Because the designer used a particular template. You mentioned also um, evolution itself. Evolution has never been observed. Evolution is a religious dogma that is only believed by people who want to have a rescuing device for rejecting the God that they know. You know, you mentioned also uh, beta keratin uh, genes turning on and off at different switches and things of that nature. This is information. I love this part of it. Because when you're talking about genetic information, you're talking about information. Let's be specific. Information is specified, complex arrangement of symbols that perform a function or convey a message, utilizing a transmitter, a receiver, and an agreed-upon language. So, you're never going to get past the symbolic relationship because you've got the G, T, and C. Those are symbolic relationships. They symbolize something other than, other than themselves in the physical world, and they perform a function. Not only that, but our speaking of our genetic code, our genetic code reads in both directions simultaneously to the tune of three billion, with a B, base pairs. Now, once again, where does any specified complex arrangement of information come from, and what makes it reproducible? It couldn't have come about by random chance and accidents, because guess what? Then you would not be able to reproduce the next generation, and reproduction is quite important. Because if you do not have the ability to reproduce the next generation, including the genetic information that you're trying to pass on, such as traits for hair or lack thereof in my case, or uh, whatever stature it might be, big, small, whatever. This information comes from an intelligent designer. You also mentioned ancestors. Well, I love the definition of evolution itself. The definition of ev evolution is the change in the frequency of alleles in the population over time. Did you know that that very definition presupposes a few things? It presupposes not a single organism, not disparity the way you can start from a single-celled organism, thank you, and go from a, a bunch of them, but it actually presupposes an entire uh, uh, population and information that can be changed over that time. Thank you for listening. All right. Okay. Thanks so much for that. I guess we're going to kick it into an open discussion period. 
Um, you, I guess, Dapper, you want to start it off? Uh, yeah, so I, I took a fair few uh, notes. Um, one thing was, this is science fiction. If you point out a factual error, I'll be happy to uh, look into that. Common designer? Okay, fine, it was a common designer. That doesn't make birds not dinosaurs. Abiogenesis? Again, like we said, I, however it happens, doesn't matter for whether birds are dinosaurs. Um, evolution is a lie? Well, whether or not it's a lie, there is vast amounts of evidence to support the fact that birds just are dinosaurs. They meet the definition for dinosaurs in the same way that lions are mammals and dolphins are mammals, birds are dinosaurs, just like a T-Rex is. Um, the second law, I'll tell you what, Mr. Batman, I will take seriously your second law um, objection when and if you can tell me what units are used to measure entropy. Uh, genetic entropy, it's just not a thing. Multiple populations have been reproducing for millions of generations in human timescales observable by us with no long-term decrease in fitness no matter the environment. Uh, multiplicity, multiplicity of organ systems, they're all uh, reproductively, or sorry, all irreducibly complex. Dinosaurs started out with those. So even if dinosaurs started out at the most basal with all these things magically created, birds are still dinosaurs. So we don't actually have to explain the origin of these in order to get to birds or dinosaurs. If you want to have a different debate about how did various organ systems evolve, and that's something that we might set up. I would have to do some research on particular ones, but that's a different debate we could have on another time. Birds have a unique respiratory system? No, they don't. In fact, Many theropods had a basically identical respiratory system, and so did pterosaurs, which means that that kind of respiratory system actually goes back farther in the taxonomy than dinosauria. That's actually probably basic to ornithodira, which is pterosaurs plus dinosaurs plus dinosaur, dinosaur morphies and whatnot. Uh, sedimentary layers all caused the fossils. Uh, well, sedimentary, yes, but not all waterborne. In fact, some of the most famous dinosaur fossils, like the fighting velociraptor and proceratops, were laid down by wind-borne sediments, called aeolian sediments. Uh, some birds have teeth, not any current living ones, although even if they did, I'm not sure why it mattered. The egg tooth is in fact not a tooth. Uh, it's more like a bone, in fact. Um, and the various other birds that are supposed to have teeth actually have beak serrations. We can tell because beaks are made of keratin, teeth are made of dentin and enamel. No birds has any structure made of dentin and enamel. Uh, the egg is designed, okay, fine, but it matches the structure of theropod eggs, so... Okay, eggs have to be turned. Unless you can find some reason why it's impossible for dinosaurs to turn eggs as a whole, I don't see why that would matter for birds being dinosaurs. Uh, the foot arrangements are different in different birds. That's true, but they all have the exact diagnostic ankle joint of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs had different feet too, but it's the diagnostic feature of the ankle that they all share, including birds. The power source for evolution, I mean, it's the sun in most cases. In some cases, it's actually uh, chemical interactions from the inside of the earth, which is producing chemosynthesis. There you go. Information must pre-exist to be selected. Okay. Uh, the pentadactyl template, maybe it points to the common design, maybe it doesn't, but in fact, not all fossil taxa have pentadactyl limbs. In fact, many basal tetrapodomorphs have an octodactyl limb with eight fingers. I'm not sure why God decided at some point to just break his rule about five fingers and then wipe all of those out, but apparently he did. Uh, you can't reproduce um, uh, if you can't pass on information. Oh, oh sorry, if you can't pass or reproduce, you can't pass on information. This is true, but uh, dinosaurs started with the ability to reproduce, so unless you're gonna suppose that all dinosaurs lost that ability at some point, from some reason other than just going extinct, I don't see why that matters. As for the source of um, information, well, first I would like a definition of, of information that allows me to actually measure it, uh, but even without that, uh, it's just a simple fact that mutations do produce new information. It's actually impossible for them not to. New information, in order to create a printout of the genome of a creature which has mutated, 
it must be different from the genome of any previous individual, which means that the total species genome has increased in size. So unless you have some other definition for information that we'd like to dig into, that's increases of information. And mutations do not have to break already existing uh, information because whole gene duplications and even whole genome duplications are well known and result in more than one copy for each gene, one of which can then mutate to create new function, which is called neo-functionalization, and it happens all the time. It's been observed in HIV, it's been observed in fish, it's been observed in various bacteria. There isn't a debate about that, and that's all I got. Well, actually, sir, um, we've never observed new information. Now, are there beneficial mutations? Yes, sir, there are. But every one of those beneficial mutations is always a reduction of information and functionality. Now, entropy, sir, can be measured, and it's very simple scientific experiment. As a matter of fact, since I teach elementary school, I can teach you this little one. If you take a cup of hot steaming coffee and you put that coffee in the middle of your coffee table and you leave it there for two, three hours and you come back, what happens to the coffee? Oh yeah, it decreases in temperature. It goes closer to the room temperature. The room temperature increases ever so slightly to encompass that temperature difference. This is called thermal equilibrium. Everything in our physical world suffers from this, sir. Everything dies. Everything decays. Everything goes from a state of order to disorder. Now, your particular belief system in this evolution, while very much dogmatic and uh, problematic, I'm going to go ahead and point to you, sir, that we've never observed anything increasing in information and complexity. Now, you asked me for a specific definition of information. I'd be happy to do that, sir. Information is specified, complex arrangement of symbols that performs a function or conveys a message utilizing a transmitter, a receiver, and an agreed upon language. That's exactly what your genome is, sir. That's why it's called a genetic code. Did you know inside your brain, even your brain, that there are more connections than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy? There are transmitter neurons, there's receiver neurons, there's a, the synapse in which the signal is sent across. Now, this is another problem for your worldview. Which one of those things evolved first and how do you know? See, the problem is, sir, you want to avoid the foundational argument which is we know that dinosaurs did not turn into anything uh, uh, like chickens or like birds. I meant dinosaurs have gone extinct, like 98% of all life on this planet. Because, um, excuse me, because we know that God said in Genesis that he created according to its kind, and it always reproduces according to its kind. This is actually a natural law, and this is why I love natural laws. This is why I love to teach science. This is called the law of biogenesis. This law of biogenesis was discovered by Louis Pasteur in the late 1920s. Uh, might be a little off on that. Don't hold me to that. It's late. I've not had enough coffee. Anyway, it was discovered by Louis Pasteur. Um, he's actually the one who discovered pasteurization. If you've ever had any pasteurized milk, you can thank Mr. Pasteur. Anyway. Um, again, this law of biogenesis states that life can only come from previous life and that life can only can only reproduce according to its kind. So you, sir, are trying to say that these dinosaurs 
that they reproduced into something other than dinosaurs. Now, again, I like operational science. I don't like talking about fairy tales and science fiction like apparently you're very much into. I want operational science, sir. So can you show me without having me to have to base all this conclusion, all your conclusions on your faith? Because that's what you're doing. You're projecting your faith into this argument. I don't want your faith, sir. I want your science. Science is repeatable, testable, and observable. And I've yet to see any of yours. Mr. Matt, what, what is it that you would like me to tell you? Because you said I would like to, you to tell me, and then you said what you didn't want me to base it on, but you didn't tell me what it was you wanted me to tell you. Could you? I, w- I, would, I would like for you to demonstrate to where any kind of creature like a dinosaur can change into another kind of creature. Because we do know that dinosaurs have very specific traits. Like the dinosaur that's on your screen right now, you actually showed a picture earlier of a dinosaur that looked very similar to that and also in comparison one that had wings. We've never observed any type of creature that has evolved any type of trait like that. Uh, As a matter of fact, you'd have to justify where the information comes from for that trait in order for it to be selected for. So natural selection cannot give you that. Mutation cannot give you that. So I, I want observational, repeatable science. Where does where do you get this idea Without just going into your faith system, sir, I'm not interested in your faith. Remember, I'm a science teacher. I want to see your experimentation that shows you that this can happen in the real world in real time. Okay. Well, uh, so based on some of the things you said, uh, first I want to go to the, uh, the basic entry. You don't know what the units of entropy are. I'm sorry, sir, but you are completely incompetent to talk about entropy if you can't even tell me how to measure it. I'm glad that you know that things I just told you how to measure it, sir. You did not. You did not even tell me the units. You also didn't give me a way to Thermal equilibrium. That's not a unit. Sir, do you not know what thermal equilibrium... Have you ever heard of the term heat death? Yes, I have. Great. Do you know that the entire universe suffers from heat death? Well, not currently. Actually, it does, sir. Everything in our physical world is changing over time. It's the most well-established natural law that we have. Okay, so you also don't know what heat death is. Heat death is the thermal equilibrium of the entire universe. It is the point at which yes, work can be done, barring spontaneous localized decreases in entropy, which in fact do occur for essentially no reason, because entropy is fundamentally really? a, yes, entropy is fundamentally a quantum function of quantum mechanics. Entropy. I'm is sorry, sir. Yes, it is. Hang on yeah. a second. Hang on a second. How about the law of cause and effect? Because we know that every effect must have an adequate cause. So since you're stating that, again, that entropy can suddenly just reverse itself, what would be the cause of that reversal of entropy? Fluctuations in various quantum fields. I'm sorry, sir. Have we ever observed that? Yes. I'm sorry, sir. No, we have not. This Uh is simply your belief system. We have never observed sudden, spontaneous, quantum a reversal of entropy. As a matter of fact, it sounds to me like you believe in magic, sir. Uh, we'll tell you what, we'll set up a debate on quantum mechanics sometime, although I might want to consult with a few other people on my quantum mechanics. But since you don't know what entropy is, you can't tell... I do know what entropy is, sir. I teach it every day. I'm no longer going to address entropy from you until you can fix yourself on that. Okay, information is specified complex arrangement of symbols to perform function and transceiver. That's a great definition. How do you measure it? Sir, um, like the name uh, Mr. Batman, 
Did you know, sir, that those letters are specified complex arrangement of symbols? The M, I'm sorry, sir, please pay attention. The M in Mr. Batman is mm-hmm. M sound. It's the M, it represents the M sound in the physical world. Now, where does that come from, sir? Did, did it come from just spontaneous generation of a quantum fluctuation? No, sir. It came from an intelligent designer who actually put that symbol there. And as a matter of fact, when you're talking about evolution and this simple insertion, deletion, or duplication of any of these symbols, then if you added another M to Mr. Batman, does that increase the amount of information or does it decrease the functionality and the amount of information? Let me give you an example here real quick, sir. Hang on just a second. Hang on, hang on a second. I use, I use this for elementary school children, sir. I'm certain you can get this. Again, sir, if you actually use the term, uh, a sentence rather, and again, uh, again the, the highest form of communication the least amount of change changes the entire meaning of the message. And your genetic code is the entirety of who you are written on beads on a rope. Okay, I want you to remember that. So if you were to say, let's eat, Grandpa, that's let's eat, comma, Grandpa. If you make one simple change to that particular sentence and you take the comma out, it now it's let's eat, Grandpa. You just became a cannibal just by changing one small symbol in that information, sir. So specified complex arrangement of symbols. Now, you can't justify where the symbols come from. You can't justify who made the specified complex arrangement of symbols to give it its function, to give it its purpose, its pragmatism. And yet you're going to tell me that dinosaurs evolved into chickens. Okay. So one thing is, uh, when you ask a direct question, I would like to be able to uh, actually answer it before you go on to new topics. Now, as far as measuring information goes, tell you what, when you add an M to the word Batman, it increases the information. How do I know? Put it in a text file, save it out as Batman normally, put another M, check the file size. That's because I can measure information of letters using something called uh, bits and bytes and megabytes. What mm. are the units for genetic information? Are they measured? Sorry, sorry. One moment, one moment. You just said you could add another M to Mr. Batman. What message is now being conveyed i don't care i increase the amount of information oh no 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 sir no so information is specified complex arrangement of symbols that performs a function or conveys a message utilizing a transmitter a receiver and an agreed upon language now sir you want to simply leave out the definition i apologize i do have a train going by right now but once again sir adding that m to mr batman does not increase the functionality it does not give you anything new it simply distorts the existing information that was put there by an intelligent designer well in fact we know that's incorrect because we have instances of mutations not breaking anything that was already there and in fact creating novel functions i'm sorry sir we're talking about this language we're talking about the genetic code which yeah, is the language something you said happen. sir it's you said happened. sir that putting an m into mr batman increases the functionality how so what new say. information do we have there Where i mean yes can, can you do you have another letter yes you have an in, what's called an insertion and you might want to call that a duplication yes sir those are quite evidence but they are mutations a mutation is a, a copying error of the existing functioning information. Before you can get this copying error, sir, you must first have a self-replicating system in place. Are so where did, the first, where did the first self-replicating system come from so you could get a mutation? 
Well, since dinosaurs already had replication systems, it's irrelevant to the topic. No, sir, it's not. It is the topic, sir. No, so again, since dinosaurs are themselves self-replicating systems, since okay. dinosaurs are themselves self-replicating systems, and they, sir, did not uh, poof into existence. This is your magic coming out. This is not science. Again, sir, I want to know what was the first self-replicating system that gave you this mutation that supposedly gave you a dinosaur? Since the origin of dinosaurs is off topic, I'm willing to say they did actually poof out of nothing. There you go. Problem solved. They did poof out of nothing? For the purposes of this that, discussion, it doesn't matter. So I don't care whether they, or not they poofed out. Of, are you saying you believe in magic, sir? I'm not saying that I do. What I'm saying is since it's... Well, wait a minute, sir. Did they poof out of nothing or not? Irrelevant. We're going to not talk it's about very it. relevant to the whole ar argument, sir. It's relevant because the entire time. argument time, is yes. where did these things? Thank it's you very relevant. much. In order, in order, sir, for you to make a claim, I'm actually pointing out that your entire argument is that this specified complex arrangement of symbols required before you can get a mutation, before you can get natural selection, that this information must first exist. What was the cause of the first information that gave you your first dinosaur? So if I, what, what I think would be a good idea is that we'll let Dapper go ahead and respond to Mr. Batman on this point, and then we'll try and steer it back towards uh, our bird's dinosaurs rather than uh, more, more uh, on-topic information. If that's that's where I'm going straight now. I'm just going to say, what reason do you have to say that birds aren't dinosaurs? What actual feature of dinosaurs that makes a dinosaur a dinosaur does a bird lack? Because one. birds have a specialized bone structure. They have a lot of different specialized structures. And dinosaurs are extinct, sir. Dinosaurs do not reproduce anymore. If these birds were dinosaurs, we would still be seeing dinosaurs. But we don't. 98% of all life has been extinct. Now, what caused the first information that gave you a dinosaur? Okay, so... Birds being specialized does not make them not dinosaurs. For example, whales are very specialized, but they're still mammals. You can't say that because whales are specialized, they're not mammals. So you have to give me something about a bird that violates the definition of a dinosaur, which means you need to know what a dinosaur is. Can you define dinosaur? Yes, sir. Dinosaurs were created on day six of the creation week, Why birds were not. Now, once again, that's going to be the specification that I'm going to use. I'm going to go back to the Bible. I'm also going to tell you that all things reproduce according to their kind. Now, I would love for you to show me an example of any kind of animal that all of a sudden gives offspring that once had short little peggy arms like the T-Rex, and all of a sudden now it's got wings like your little picture show. I want you to show me your science, sir, not your religious dogma or your belief system. I could care less. There are no instances of anything giving rise to another kind because that's impossible. Thank that's you. Evolution says. In fact, that would violate the rules of evolution. Now, oh, really, sir? What's a rule of evolution? Uh, one of the rules of evolution is the law of modifying it. I'm sorry, sir. So in order for you to have a rule, would that be something that is consistent throughout time? It cannot be violated. Well, if it were violated, it would cease to be a rule. Uh, would that be a law? Yes. Okay, the great. Law, laws, laws, pre, um, laws require a lawgiver, such as in every single example that you've given me requires laws of chemistry, laws of biology, laws of physics. Where do those come from so your dinosaurs can function? Okay, so you do not have any actual anatomy or biology that you can use to differentiate a dinosaur from a bird. Or sorry, Actually, bird I just gave it to you, sir. And also, it to you. man and dinosaurs, land breathing, air walk, uh, land walking, air breathing animals were created on day six of the creation week. 
God says that very clearly. Now, I'm going to ask you again, sir. You seem to think that there is no God and no how to no way, no God create none of this stuff. And all this stuff just changed over time from one kind of animal into another kind of animal. We've never observed that. Now, if you want to believe this stuff just poofed into existence, well, I've got no argument against that for you, sir, because you believe in magic. But you know what? At least a magician has a hat where they pull the rabbit out of. You just think it all poofed out of absolutely nothing. We have something called the law of cause and effect. Everything that exists in the physical world works under the law of cause and effect. Everything that has a beginning is known as an effect. Every effect must have an adequate cause. What would be the adequate cause of your dinosaur, sir, and the information contained therein? Oh, I'm sorry. I was Goodness, I'm muted again. Sorry about that. Technical problems there with me. Um, so, dinosaurs were made on day five. So, I guess anything made on day five is a dinosaur. So, uh, you know, day whale. six, sir. Okay, so day six. My apologies. So, dinosaurs were made on day six. So, I guess foxes are dinosaurs and badgers are dinosaurs. No, Those sir. Dinosaurs. People were made on day six too. Well, that, I guess people are too. People are not dinosaurs. Okay, well, then what is a dinosaur? How do you know that? Dinosaurs are dinosaurs. A dinosaur is a specific kind of animal, sir. Now, all kinds of animals were created by a creator. Now, you're saying that these dinosaurs changed into something other than what they currently, or, excuse me, changed from what they were into something other than what they were. They went from being dinosaurs into chickens or birds. Now, sir... I'm saying that it doesn't happen that way. We never see an increase of complexity. We ne never see an increase of function. We never see an increase of information. We always see exact, exactly the opposite. As a matter of fact, there's a gentleman, I can't remember what his name is, but he actually created something called the gene gun. And while he was doing this research on this gene gun genetics, um, he was actually researching this and he realized that the mutation rate was far, far too great for us to have been around 100,000 years. Uh, as a matter of fact, he went from being an old Earth long-term uh, evolutionist to a young Earth creationist because of the evidence from mutation. Mutations, sir, do not... I'm sorry, one moment, sir. One moment. Mutations do not give you new information. They destroy it. I, I actually have no idea how to how to mute anybody or do anything of that nature. But I, if I may, I, I do think that we are straying a bit off of the general topic of our birds, dinosaurs, and touching into some genetic entropy, things of that nature. I think it would be certainly fine to set up a debate on that topic. But if it's okay with everyone, I'm going to kind of try and steer us back into the direction of uh, our birds, dinosaurs. And if it's okay with both of the interlocutors, I'm going to keep a slight time on everyone so that everyone feels as if they're getting um, equal time to speak at approximately two-ish minutes, um, if, if that's okay with the two of you. That's works for me. Sure. Um, okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll start in two minutes. I doubt I'll use this whole two minutes. Okay, so what we have for Mr. Batman is a complete inability to actually give a definition for dinosaur that would allow anyone coming to two animals to tell whether or not one of them is a dinosaur and the other isn't. So Mr. Batman does not actually have the ability to tell me whether or not, say, Scansoriopteryx is a dinosaur. He doesn't have the t ability to tell me if, say, Ligurbiton is a dinosaur. One of those is a dinosaur, the other isn't. I would challenge Mr. Batman to tell me which one is which and how he knows, and pick any two things that are similar to dinosaurs. Further, I do not think that dinosaurs evolved in something that isn't a dinosaur because chickens are dinosaurs, because they meet all of the diagnostic criteria to be a dinosaur, just like a whale meets all the diagnostic criteria to be a mammal. So if you know what a mammal is, you know a, mammal, a whale is one of them. If you know what a dinosaur is, then unfortunately for Mr. Batman, birds are all dinosaurs. They meet every single one of those definitional criteria, and that's my less than two minutes.
All right. Actually, sir. Thank you. Um, actually, sir, dinosaurs are extinct. That's the difference. Birds are still here. And we know that birds do not change or do not give rise to anything but birds. Cats don't give rise to anything but cats. And again, sir, since we know, and again, I'm going back to the genetic entropy problem because genetics tells us that it never increases in complexity. It always goes downhill. When in the beginning, when God created, he created everything good. He called or he looked around. He said, everything is very good. That's genetically perfect as perfect can be. So since that time, everything has gone downhill. What's the definition of evolution? Oh, yeah. Descent with modification. That means it went from a state of least entropy to maximum entropy. And we're going to a point where we're going to have something called genetic catastrophe. You might want to look that up. Okay, Dapper, back to you. Sure. Oh, okay, good. I wasn't, uh, wasn't muted. I thought it might have been. Um, okay. Where, where are the birds? Which ones of these are birds? How do you know? Some of these animals on this list are birds. I can, I can probably be uh zoom in here a little oh maybe that's not how you zoom in uh, we'll expand it a bit oh maybe i can't which uh which which ones are birds how do you know your birds are alive dinosaurs are not i've kind of well, gone over birds, this with you god created i'm sorry you asked me a question i'm going to answer it now god created animals according to their kind you are denying what the scripture says now, the fact of the matter is, this is not only denying the scripture, it's denying every bit of scientific evidence that we have, such as genetics, such as entropy. Entropy tells us that everything decays over time. Everything dies. Everything goes from order to disorder, from workable, usable energy and information to no workable, usable energy and information, sir. So your example of dinosaurs is irrelevant if you can't tell me where the first information came from for, for your first dinosaur. You said they just poofed into existence. Hey, that's your magical theory, and you're more than welcome to it. It has nothing to do with science. Okay, Dapper, back to you. Okay, so uh, there essentially was no argument. Uh, Mr. Batman has literally no way to define a dinosaur except with arbitrary ad hoc definitions, like they have to be extinct. So I guess saber-toothed tigers are also dinosaurs. I guess uh, Neanderthals were dinosaurs. I guess... Uh, no, Neanderthals were people. Dinosaurs. Sorry, Mr. Batman, we've got to give Dapper his time to go ahead and, uh, and continue. Once he's finished, we'll kick sure. it right back over to you. So definitions for dinosaur that we've had so far is things made on day six and then added in things made on day six that are extinct. Unfortunately, that is insufficient to actually define a dinosaur and saying that dinosaurs are by definition extinct is simply a post hoc rationalization. I mean, he realizes that there is in fact no anatomical way to distinguish between birds and dinosaurs or perhaps he just realizes that he has so little idea of what a dinosaur is that it kind of beggars belief that he would agree to engage in a definitional, or sorry, a debate involving things like the taxonomic definition of dinosaur. Okay. Taxonomy. Taxonomy, that's a science, isn't it? Science requires natural laws, like laws of physics, laws of chemistry, laws of biology, laws of identity, non-contradiction, laws of mathematics. Now, sir, you're making all these claims about information. Uh, taxonomy, if you're going to look at this taxonomy, uh, and I think one of your, your boys might call it phylogeny, Again, sir, if you're going to make all these different claims of these different scientific methods, where do any natural laws come from? Because you even appealed to a natural law a moment ago, a law of evolution, you called it. 
which there is no such thing. But if you're going to appeal to a particular natural law, where does that law come from? Like the law of cause and effect, like laws of physics, like laws of chemistry. Where does that law come from so you can have a dinosaur? Why does that law not change over time so that dinosaur can function and reproduce? And, oh, that's a self-replicating system. Where did the first self-replicating system come from so you could have a dinosaur? Sir, the fact of the matter is you're wanting to make all these claims that are not scientific. They're not science at all. They're simply your religious dogma. Now, once again, sir, if you would like to talk about science, I'd be happy to do that with you. But science is operationally speaking observable, testable, and repeatable. What you are asking me to do is believe in your faith. And I don't want your religion, sir. I only want science. Next Okay, that was about a minute and a half, so go ahead, Dapper. You've got the same time. All right, well, first I'd like to point out that uh, Mr. Batman actually has no information on my religious positions or possible lack thereof. In fact, no one in the audience does. I don't talk about it as a Dapper Dino. That's something I leave for my uh, life outside of YouTube. Some people I know know more or less about it, and some people have a full story. But you are not in that group because I don't talk to you outside of contexts like YouTube. Uh, in fact, not even Erica has that information, although I do talk to her quite a bit outside of YouTube. But I know. You don't, actually. Actually, I do. You, you have a guess, and it may or may not be right. Second of all, I don't. you said taxonomy was, in fact, a science. I agree with you. Taxonomy is a science. It's not the same science as phylogenetics, although they are related. So, and according to the laws of taxonomy, in which groups, broad groups are defined in terms of shared traits, which all lower groups have, and the lower groups themselves are in turn defined by shared traits. What are the shared traits in dinosauria? Because that's a scientific aspect of taxonomy. There's a taxon called dinosauria. What are the shared traits from the science of taxonomy that dinosauria has? And if you can't answer, I would humbly submit that we simply move on to questions because you've proven yourself to simply be incompetent on this question. All right, Mr. Batman, back at you. Actually, sir, I know exactly what a dinosaur is. I also know what a bird is, and they are two separate things. Why? Because we can identify them using laws of logic, laws of identity, non-contradiction, and excluded middle. We also know, sir, that we can do science in a laboratory experimentation, and we know that the birds that we have today that you seem to claim are dinosaurs, they do not rep reproduce anything other than their kind. This is a law of nature. It's called the law of biogenesis. We've already talked about this, sir. Now, if you want to claim victory, that you say everything just poofed into existence, more power to you, sir. You just poofed your victory into existence as well. Because I'm talking about observable, testable, repeatable science. And you're talking about your religious dogma that cannot be justified in the scientific realm. Now, when we are talking about things that are alive, all life only comes from previous life. So dinosaurs would be alive. You would have to admit that, sir, that dinosaurs are living organisms. They are complex. Uh, we don't know how intelligent, but they had to be somewhat intelligent because they had to be able to identify their food source, compare and contrast it with things that are not their food source, that type of thing. But they're alive. And all life only comes from previous life. So once again, sir... What would be the cause for the first dinosaur, the first self-replicating system, so you can have a dinosaur so it could evolve into a chicken? 
you don't have any justification for your starting point, sir. So the foundation is rocked. Your foundation is broken. You have nothing to build on. So all these fancy words and 15-syllable labels you want to put on stuff are irrelevant, sir, because you can't justify your starting point. But have a nice day. All right, that was about a minute and 40 seconds. So go ahead, Dapper, if you'd like to respond, you may. Right before I respond, I have a quick uh, point on the the technical side on the debate for uh, Congress Connect. Can I ask a, a quick question about the technical aspect of this debate? Go right ahead. What do you got? Um, what is the title of this debate? Are birds dinosaurs? Okay. Okay, I just wanted to make sure, because so far, nothing that Batman has said has actually had anything to do with whether or not birds are dinosaurs, except to point out that birds have certain specialized features, which is not currently in contention because specialized features are what we expect when you look at a particular group within a larger taxon, which is what Dinosauria is. It is a larger taxon in which smaller taxa are nested, one of which being birds. Now, until we can actually get some kind of anatomical definition for dinosaur, which birds violate, then we have no reason to say that birds are not dinosaurs. And because I have pointed out all of the actual diagnostic criteria to be a dinosaur and the very the verifiable fact of anatomy that birds meet all of them <clears throat> i have given prima facie evidence that birds are dinosaurs which has been countered by essentially non sequiturs and irrelevancies that go off topic i have no interest in addressing them because i agree to a debate called are birds dinosaurs if mr batman had wanted to change the topic of the debate I very well would have considered it. I have had debates on other topics. He could have, in fact, said, no, I would rather debate such and such. And if I wanted to debate it, he could have had that as a debate topic. On a future day, if Mr. Batman wants to debate a biogenesis or genetic entropy or information or his woeful inadequacy about thermodynamics, we could, in fact, do that. <laughs> Mr. Batman, your response? Well, sir, he keeps talking about specialized features, yet he's proclaiming that there's nothing that made these specialized features other than random chance and happenstance. Now, he said that I didn't know about his religion. Yes, I do. His religion is materialism. He thinks that everything just poofed into existence out of absolutely nothing. That's the materialistic worldview, that everything can change and get bigger, better, stronger, faster, smarter over time. I have dealt with his argument, sir. I've actually quoted the scripture. God's word is truth. Jesus said in Psalm 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. This person doesn't know him. And when Jesus says that, he's actually quoting Psalm 119, verse 160, where it says, the sum of, that's all of it, the sum of your word is truth, and all of your righteous rulings endure forever. So I don't have to worry about his specialized features that he can't justify, because in order for him to have a specialized feature, there had to be a pragmatic creator that put that specialized feature there to begin with. Now, I'd also point out that these dinosaurs reproduce. Now, what would cause any type of organism to go from simple cellular mitosis, that is splitting of cells, the splitting of the cell into two parts, what kind of pressure can you put on an organism to cause it to generate male parts and female parts, chromosome, internal organs, skeletal structures, many, many more, what, what kind of pressure can you put on an organism to make it do that from going from cellular mitosis to sexual reproduction in a single generation? Because if you have that happen and you have it happen uh, on the female side, but you don't have the male side evolve, guess what? 
you don't have reproduction. It doesn't work. So it all has to happen in a single generation. He's got no answer for that either. Again, this all goes back to the foundation of the argument, information. That information in the dinosaur, in the chicken, in the human is our genetic code, specialized complex arrangement of, of those symbols, and we all decay over time, including the dinosaurs, including the chickens, and we only give rise to those things that we are part of. That is, that life only comes from a, a previous life, and it only reproduces according to its kind. All Thank right, you for yeah. your time, ladies and gentlemen. That was approximately two minutes and 10 seconds. So, Dapper, if you'd like to go ahead and uh, respond to that, absolutely go ahead. Uh, we can move on to questions whenever you guys are ready. Um, oh, I'm ready. I, I would like one quick response. I, mean, I probably won't take two minutes. I would just say very quickly, um, you, in fact, do not know whether or not I'm a philosophical naturalist. I will say that uh, science operates of necessity on a methodological naturalism, but many scientists have various non philosophical naturalist uh, belief systems and uh, there is no contradiction there in keeping science uh, philosophically naturalistic. All it means is that if the supernatural is a correct explanation for something in science, science will simply hit a wall where it can no longer investigate and that is where I would think it would be very appropriate for other philosophies and other methods of learning to uh, take a step in and see what happens. Currently that is not happening in biology, maybe it will. Uh, I, if it would, that would be extremely fascinating, and uh, honestly, I would like to see that. It would be pretty darn cool. Uh, the other thing is, um, this is actually tangentially related to the birds evolving from dinosaurs, which is to say that apparently it's extremely difficult to have a variation in reproductive systems. Uh, you yourself belong to a species in which reproductive systems vary significantly in size and shape in both sexes, yet uh, mechanical compatibility is almost never the barrier to uh, fertility. So just being a human disproves this idea that even minor variations in the reproductive system will cause uh, reproductive incompatibility. It simply isn't true. All right. Thanks so much for that. Uh, any final things to say before we move on to Q&A? No, just that Jesus is king. The Bible is true. And if you want to know anything more about me, you can visit my website at mrbatman.com. And if you want to know any more about me, my channel's linked in the description, and there will be an after show um, following this within, you know, like 10, 15 minutes. I don't have an exact time because I don't know exactly where I'm going to end. But uh, yeah, feel free to hop over to that if you like. Absolutely. Well, you guys, we, we have a monster-sized list of questions, <laughs> so awesome. I... I I hope you guys are excited. I'm I'm excited to read them. I've been meticulously collecting them, so I'm I'm hyped to to hear the debaters' takes. We've I think we have a pretty healthy mix. A lot of them um, aren't specified to anyone in particular. So for those ones, I'm just gonna let everyone uh, let everyone answer it and and hope that we get through everything. I'm gonna read through the super chats first, and then I do have a couple that were were non super chat questions, and hopefully we'll be able to get to those. Uh, but if not, uh, say lovey. So first from Dwayne Burke for. Uh, Five pounds. Dwayne says no fossils are evidence of evolution because the fossil could just be an undiscovered pre-existent kind that would in turn support creationism. So I suppose both of you can comment on that if you'd like. Uh, would you like Go ahead, Mr. Gino. All right. Uh, so do. fossils, I will say, are probably among the um, the least important evidence for uh, common ancestry as a whole. 
What fossils can do, because we can in fact reliably date them, at least in most cases if we have the, uh, the provenance on the fossil, is they can tell us the way that certain uh, lineages evolve. So for instance, if we only had say genetics and morphology, we could recover crocodilia as sister to Aves among living animals, but we wouldn't know exactly what, uh, what the basal most members of that group looked like and what they were doing at various times in the uh, history of the world. So it's important for our sort of overall historical look at the world, but it's it is not the primary reason that we know that common ancestry is at least true for all life that has been studied so far. All right, okay. Batman, hit back. It's on you. Oh, no problem. Uh, fossils are evidence of a global flood of Noah. There are billions with a B, dead things laid down by sedimentary layers of rock all over our planet. As a matter of fact, um, one of the things, one of the reasons I love bats is because there's four, over 4,000 complete fossilized bats in the fossil record. They come into the fossil record as completely identifiable as bats, and they so-called leave the fossil record completely identifiable as bats. That exemplifies something called stasis, not evolution. As a matter of fact, all along the Mount Everest mountain range, we have billions of fossilized clams up on, on the Mount Everest mountain range. And they're all in the closed position. Why is this important? Because when clams die, they open up. So all of these are in the closed position. Why? Because that was a global catastrophe that happened very, very quickly. All fossils are evidence that something was once alive and now it's dead. You don't have any evidence that that fossil ever had any offspring. And you sure don't have any evidence that that offspring was any different than the fossil that you found. All right. So next up for uh, two CA, I'm. I listen, guys. I'm not a. I'm not a financials expert here. I, I just study. Oh, those, are, those are maple bucks, the Canadian dollar. Oh, maple bucks! Excellent. Well, from Decepticons Forever for two uh, Canadian bucks, we have. Let's unpack the second law of thermodynamics, please. So I, I suppose you guys can just give your comments on the second law of thermodynamics if you'd like. Would you like me to start? Or would you like to go first this time? You go right ahead, sir. All right, so the second law of thermodynamics essentially says that in a closed system, entropy will always tend to increase or stay the same over time. Uh, it will increase if work is done. Now, what entropy actually is, and we drill right down to the very basic level of it, it is the number of quantum microstates which can result in the currently existing uh, observable macrostate. And as it turns out, just as a matter of probability, certain macrostates have far fewer microstates that can achieve that mac macrostate. Uh, whereas most um, quantum mi microstates result in a system with essentially diffuse energy. And so you can measure this in units, which Mr. Batman apparently doesn't actually know, but they're joules per kilogram, uh, as the ability of the system to do further work in a Newtonian sense. The second law of thermodynamics states that Everything is going from order to disorder, from workable, usable energy and information to no workable, usable energy and information. Now, we uh, know this is true in every system, regardless if it's closed or if it's an open system. Because, again, there are certain systems that are in play that can overcome the second law of thermodynamics, but only for short periods of time, such as when we have children. Those children overcome that second law of thermodynamics to grow and mature. But even those systems succumb 
to thermodynamics and the second law itself as well. So everything is decaying over time. As a matter of fact, it's one of the evidences we know that all of the time, space, and matter that's in our universe had a beginning because of, again, thermal equilibrium. If the universe had been here an infinite amount of time in the past, then there would be no temperature differences between things in our universe. And there are. The temperature of that big shiny ball in the center of our solar system called the sun is much different than the temperature of the surface of our planet. That tells us that the universe has not been here for very long at all. All right. So from uh, for two dollars for actually I I'm, I skipped over Kenthoven's CPA. So from Kenthoven's CPA for two dollars also um, he says I'm assuming this is for Mr. Batman since Mr. Batman says uh, that that he was a teacher. He's coming at you, Mr. Batman. He says uh, sure. can't teach elementary school without a college degree. Actually, you can. Um, I'm what's called autodidactic. If you'd like to find out what the minimum requirements are in the state of Indiana, please feel free to look it up. I'm basically a substitute teacher. I'm a dedicated substitute teacher. That's all I do. Whenever they have somebody that calls in, they don't have a lesson plan, they call me. All righty. Okay, from Stupid Whore Energy, as she likes to be called, for $5, she says, how is gene duplication a copying error? And this is directed to no one in particular, so uh, you can both give your, uh, your two cents, as it were. Well, I think that since that was the claim that um, that Mr. Batman made, uh, that maybe he should be the one who goes first on that one. Yeah, he certainly can. Sure. Absolutely. Gene duplication is, again, a copying error. Because if I'm writing a story on a rope, you're writing my name, Mr. Batman, and you're doing it on a string of beads. If you insert, if you copy something and insert it like the M of Mr. Batman, it does not help the message. As a matter of fact, it distorts the original message. If you remember my example of let's eat, Grandpa, let's eat, comma, Grandpa. Guess what? You take out that comma, you just became a cannibal. The higher the degree of information, the least amount of change changes the entire meaning of the message. Okay, well, the, the big problem with this view is that we have to be able to define a, an exact version of the text, which is the so-called target text, from which changes can be considered errors. So when you have a book, you have that. So for instance, if I go pull up, say, um, I don't know, scientific creationism up off my shelf, that has a set actual defined text, and deviations from it are copying errors. We can't really get the same thing for genetics because we don't have anything that we can reasonably assume to be a actual standard text. So saying copy error is at best a loose analogy that can help people who aren't familiar with genetics understand the idea. But the fact is that a whole gene copying uh, event, which happens regularly in many organisms all throughout the uh, various groups of life forms, results in absolutely no detriment and it actually makes the animal in many cases in the long term uh, better off because if a further mutation were to say break one of those copies of the gene, it still has the functional one, which allows it to continue on with that function. And another thing which we have also observed happening is that one copy of the gene can actually then mutate to become useful for a new purpose. This is one of the ways that we get the uh, antifreeze proteins that are currently being used in uh, GMO tomatoes to make them frost resistant. But originally it started as a copy of a, uh, if I remember correctly, a uh, protein used in the uh, cardiovascular system of the fish, although I I'm not positive on that. I had to double check it. But it was copied. The new copy changed. And uh, suddenly, a new protein was made that inhibited ice crystal formation in the cells of the fish, which gave it antifreeze. 
All right. Okay. So because we have so many questions, I, I might go ahead and switch this a little bit up and, and make it so that whoever the question is getting asked to gets to answer the question. Cause we've got one for Dapper and one for uh, Mr. Yeah. Mack, one right after the other, if that's all right. Um, so from Dwayne Burke for five pounds for the Dapper dinosaur, um, a dinosaur must have devolved, not evolved. It has gone from being at the top of the food chain to pretty much the bottom. That is devolution. Well, uh, a number of birds are, in fact, at the top of their local food chain. I mean, uh, tell the golden eagle that it's not at the top of the food chain. As far as I know, nothing regularly preys on adult golden eagles. Uh, so there is that. There are, in fact, birds at the top of the local food chain. Uh, the other thing is that evolution doesn't say that things have to get better, nor does it say that the you know top predator in an ecosystem is the most desirable group. All that evolution cares about is whether or not an organism can successfully reproduce and do so better than uh, those it is competing with. Chickens are better than T-Rexes because T-Rexes are dead, and chickens, uh, there are billions of them. Chickens are one of the most successful dinosaurs to ever live, according to evolution, because evolution doesn't care what humans think is cool, it just cares how many babies you can make. Well, actually, it cares about how many grandchildren you can make who make babies, but eh, it's a technicality. All right, look at all those chickens. Okay, from Bent Hovind, no relation, for $5, a super chat for Mr. Batman. Bent asks, Mr. Batman, let's say you found a skeleton. How would you decide if it's a dinosaur? You personally, how would you decide? Well, I'd have to actually ask a paleontologist because I don't do research on skeletons. But I could also tell you that that skeleton, regardless of what skeleton it was, whether it's a skeleton of a dog or a dinosaur or a human being, was designed with a purpose. It's called pragmatism. It has information that caused it to develop in the way it did. It had multiplicity of systems, such as a respiratory system, circulatory system, nervous system, and many, many more. All these come from a loving, living, logical lawgiver God. All right. Okay, so the, the Decepticons forever is coming at you again, Mr. Batman, but in, in sort of a secondhand way uh, that is a uh, compliment to me, I suppose. For five uh, Canadian dollars, says props to Erica for remaining composed while hearing all of this from Batman. Maybe he's a gym teacher at his school. They're coming at you. <laughs> Actually, I've taught gym. I've taught every subject from science to social studies. I've taught uh special needs children. That's how I started off my tenure in the school. Uh, but I teach every grade level. I teach everybody. As a matter of fact, uh, it never does anything more than make my heart explode when I get out in public and somebody says, hi, Mr. Batman, because that's what all my students call me. That's how I got the name, Mr. Batman. That is cute. All right. So from Mitchell for $5, uh, are birds dinosaurs? Apparently, Dapper isn't familiar with Cole's Law, stating that a cabbage concoction can create coleslaw at all Kentucky Fried Dino. <laughs> I, I, more of a statement, Dapper. Yeah, but I'll, I'll respond like this. I do, in fact, like some fried dinosaur drumstick with some coleslaw and a nice icy cold beverage, which actually I'm regretting not having a glass of water with me because my mouth is dry by now. <laughs> That's that's a rookie mistake, Dapper. You got to. Uh, I, I usually do, but I had some tea beforehand, and then I realized I had to drink it before it got cold. Oh no! Yeah, see, I, I always coffee. have coffee ready. Oh, coffee, true. That's true. Mm. Too late where I'm at, but I I can't disagree with the uh, the wonderfulness of coffee. Mr. Batman and I are going to agree wholeheartedly on that one. I think. No, coffee is amazing. Okay, from Jungle Jargon for $5, Dapper Dino, there were two kinds of birds on the Ark. So can you see that the dinosaur is a different kind? 
Well, I've never heard a definition that would allow me to successfully identify uh, kinds with any kind of uh, repeatability or objective uh, method. So I'm just going to have to go ahead and say that until someone has brought forth a way to take taxonomy and draw lines and give objective reasons where other people can take the techniques and reproduce the results of that study, and then also not be able to include anything else in that kind, no matter how hard they try, that isn't actually in the kind, uh, I just think it's essentially a word that has no meaning. Because once a word, if a word can't be defined, it can't be used meaningfully. It's just a semantic trick to say kinds of birds or kinds of dinosaurs. All right. Okay, from Dwayne Burke for two pounds. Uh, this one, this one is actually a, a serious roast at Converse Contender, the other moderator here. I Converse Contender think Mrs. Doubtfire is hot. Is that true, Converse? <laughs> that is highly inaccurate. <laughs> you know, he didn't answer that quite quickly enough. It's true. There was a lot of delay. Robin Williams has some actual and facial features. Spoilers for the movie, by the way. Um, from uh, Brandon Ardeline for two dollars. Uh, this this is uh, depending, I guess, on how you on how you interpret it. Um, it's kind of a, a, a busting of Mr. Batman. Sorry, Mr. Batman. He says, "I ordered Kent Hovind on Wish, but I got Mr. Batman." <laughs> That's all right. I'm a lot better looking than Mr. Hovind is, and I'm modest too. <laughs> I don't know. What about Eric? Eric's a pretty good-looking dude. Oh, man. Uh, Eric, somewhere Eric is blushing, and he doesn't know why. From uh, Leophile Leophilius? Leophile yeah, from Leophilius for uh, $5. Uh, at Converse Contender, does Mr. Batman know, or I guess I guess they were sending it to Converse Contender as a question, but since I picked it up, it was I guess it would have been for me, Leo. Thank you very much. Um, so for Mr. Batman, do you know what the, mono, the law of monophily is? My mistake. Nope. Okay. All right. Quick and quick and brief. Um, Fair. Would you like me to, to give a quick summary? Uh, you may uh, talk on that if you want, Dapper. But we got right. the plan. So the law of monophyly is one of the basic principles in evolution, and it says essentially that once a clade forms, which means once we have an identifiable group of organisms with a common ancestor, any further uh, new clades which erupt within that clade will still be members of the original clade. So. Once you get the first of any group, so let's say you get the first canine, since creationists usually think that canines form a, a kind, um, all subsequent groups within that. So foxes might be a different clade, but they're still canines. And then, you know, the long-eared fox or the arctic fox and, you know, the silver fox or whatever, which is just a color morph of white fox, whatever, they'll all still be foxes. And because they're foxes, they're still canines. And you can, in fact, go back farther and say they're still, you know, Canoidians and they're still carnivorans and they're still frangulatans and they're still, you know, all of those things. But that is a, a quick rundown of the law of monophyly. All right. Ah, and there we go. We're talking about laws. Now, again, where did the first information come from for any of those kinds of which you're talking about, any of those phyla which you're talking about? That is the question. Okay, so since that was uh, Mr. Batman's question, he gets the uh, the last word on that one. Uh, so for uh, this was actually from Comod Converse Contender for two dollars, slapping back at audience member Dwayne Burke um, and saying that Dwayne Burke was indeed the former lead singer uh, of Nickelback, which is of course the uh, the meanest roast of the evening. Um, shame, shame on you, Converse. That's so mean to say to a friend. I don't know if I can reappear on this platform. If we're going to have talk like that, I, I know. I thought there was no swearing on this. It might, it might be hashtag cancel modern day debate time at that point. 
I guess I must really be old. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, man. All right. From Decepticons Forever, uh, for five maple bucks, nothing's coming at you again, Mr. Batman. You're, you're on uh, Decepticons Forever's uh, hit list this evening. Nothing's worse than a prideful teacher who mires education with their own beliefs. How many hundreds mm. of students were affected by such ignorance? Oh, sir, uh, ma'am, I don't uh, affect anybody with ignorance. The only thing I ever want to teach is the truth. And you cannot know truth without the God of the Bible. Truth by its very nature is exclusive. Science requires truth. Science requires laws of nature. You cannot justify truth, laws of logic, laws of nature, or time, space, and matter without the God of the Bible. Okay. From Royce de Gaulle for $2 to Dapper Dinosaur. How'd you get that hat on your head? Dapper, hello? I was muted. I'm, I apologize. I, I had to cough a quick second. Uh, so this is something not a lot of people know, but I actually do have a, uh, a butler. He's a triconodont, and um, he doesn't appear on screen much, but if you go watch my collaboration with um, FTFE called uh, Stupid Humans Episode 1, I don't remember what the subtitle is, but I appear in that episode and you can hear my butler. He's uh, off screen, but he's on the set. So. All right. Okay. Another one from uh, stupid horror energy, as she likes to be called for five bucks. Fossil dinosaurs have feathers and a wishbone. You can also modify gene expression of bird embryos and they will look like extinct dinosaurs. Um, so both of you are free to comment on that. Would you like to go first or second, Mr. Batman? I'll go ahead and go first. Gene expression requires, again, genetic code, genetic information. That doesn't happen without an intelligent designer that, in, that intended for those genetic information to work in a particular fashion. Now, the fact that we can manipulate those genes tells us that it had a purpose, and now we can work with that purpose to see if we can make it do other things. I would just say that um, what that serves to do from the fossil standpoint is at first, for, uh, can't talk, serves to further demonstrate that all of the features that we associate with birds are in fact <clears throat> originating at a larger taxa than avia or aves. Um, in fact, in many cases, larger than aviale, which is the largest group that anyone really calls birds. I don't like calling them birds, but um, but the, yeah, things like feathers go way back, um, ultimately, probably earlier than the root of Dinosauria, and things like Pinaceous feathers go at least all the way back to Silurosauria. And so it really just demonstrates that there's no line to draw between what's a bird and what's a dinosaur that you can use to then call birds not dinosaurs. They just are dinosaurs. All right, from Snake Was Right for $2, uh, coming at you, Mr. Batman. Uh, I'm sorry, sir, he says, stop interrupting Dapper Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All Sorry, right. that's what Mr. Batman do. <laughs> that's how he rolls. All right, from uh, Brian Ardeline, um, he just donates $2. So thank you very much, Brandon. And from uh, Custer Survivors, also donates $1. So thank you for that. Uh, Decepticons Forever for two Canadian dollars says, mutations create new information uh, with, uh, I don't know, like 10 M's or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. Uh, there, I've never found any way of measuring information which would not result in mutations, at least occasionally increasing information. Uh, the only exception that I know of would, in fact, be deletions. But then there are ways of measuring information in a genome where deletions are also um, an increase in the overall genetic information in these species as a whole, if not that individual. Because paradoxically, 
by creating new copies, which have to be cataloged if you want a species-wide genome. Uh, even if the genome of a particular organism decreases, that still means that the genome of the entire population has to go up. So, Erica, um, just before I forget, Smoky Saint will be having an after show to this. Wanted me to shout that out because I know I'll probably forget before the end of the show. Um, so at the end of this conversation, if you want to continue the conversation, there will be an open discussion on Smoky Saint's channel. Uh, you can link that in the description if you want. I mean, I'm sorry, in the uh, live chat if you want, so people can go there. So I'm sorry, and go ahead. I was just say there also will be one on mine following shortly after this. Um, I don't currently have it set up as a stream, but my channel link is in the description, so just click on that and it will go up. Um, I will set it up almost immediately after the debate and it will start eh, 5, 10, maybe 15 minutes after. You guys oh, got okay. options after show uh, audience even though you don't deserve the options because I see uh, 353 people watching and only 103 likes so oh, poor shame. from Mike Billers for $5 wolves don't give rise to anything but dog wait what so I'm assuming that's more of a, of a gag a joke than anything else but feel free to comment gang Oh, I, my only thing is I'll say that I'm fine with uh, people being a little bit loose with the common word dog and saying that it's essentially all of, all of the candidate. It doesn't bother me. All right. Well, what it comes right down to it is everything only re reproduces according to its kind. Every type of dog that we see today has been genetically modified by a special uh, selection. We actually, the reason we have dachshunds, I have a particularly have a French bulldog. I call her my conglomeration of mutations because she couldn't exist out in the, in the real world in real time. She would die. The fact of the matter is all animals, all life comes from previous life. That is a law of science. All right. And we, we have so many questions still. So stop, stop generously donating audience. We can't handle any more questions. Does that mean questions after this point won't be answered? Um, I mean, I, I guess yeah, tentatively, yes. That we, means we that we need to move into the brevity round. And yes. Just, all right. Just quick answers right. to the next questions because some oh, of the right. questions are just jabs. So let's just. True, 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 true. Okay. In a general statement, Brian Ardeline says for $5, if chickens came from dinosaurs, then why are there still dinosaurs? Checkmate atheists. Um, <laughs> Jay, Jay Shy for five bucks says, can Mr. Back Batman take the phylogeny challenge? Show us which birds are the first birds and why. There's no such thing as the first birds. All birds were created by God, the creator, according to their kind. I don't know if he wasn't paying attention or what. I would just say those would be the first birds, and that's what he's asking you to show him which ones they were. All right. Again, sir. For five bucks, uh, says, what is the definition of kinds that definitively describes differences in similar species, and what kind does a platypus belong to? Well, a platypus is a unique animal in its own self, uh, but kinds would be similar to the family in the particular scientific way of looking at things. All I would say is that's an arbitrary distinction and creationists routinely violate it, both uh, going to larger groups and smaller groups and have yet to put forth any actual experiments to test this identification of kinds at approximately the family level because the family level itself is arbitrary. There is no correlation between how, what kind of tax on a family is between different groups of organisms. Hmm. All right, Robert Luscombe says for $5, and I, can't, I can only assume this is directed at me, the condescending tone is very hard to endure. Oh, I oh. think that's probably to me. 
I don't, I don't know. I, I get, ooh, I got some haters out there, Mr. Batman. You don't know. <laughs> You're right. really as condescending as you were in your most recent video on uh, human evolution. Oh, I can, I can be a little condescending, but it's all in good fun. I'm, I'm just here to have a good time and have a good chat. From uh, Mike Billers for 10 bucks, how can Mr. Batman tell the difference between reality as usual and God doing a thing? How can you know that 2 plus 2 equals 4 when God could just do a thing and make 2 plus 2 equal 5? With a God, no constants in reality. Actually, he couldn't because God cannot violate his own nature and God is perfectly truthful, per perfectly faithful. As a matter of fact, in order to know anything at all, you have to have a relationship with the God who knows all things. I'll give you a very much easy example. One finger plus one more finger is always and only two fingers. We know that statement to be true. In order to have knowledge, knowledge is a justified true belief. Well, if something could prove you wrong out there on the other side of the galaxy, then you don't know it. It's simply a belief. So since we do know that one finger plus one more finger is always and only two fingers, that means one of two statements has to be true. Either A, we have to know everything, and we sure don't, or B, we have to have a relationship with the one who does know everything, and we are created in his image so we can know things to be true. Uh, I just have one quick thing to add, which is that, to actually say that I, I would agree that um, generally speaking in most Abrahamic theologies, including most of Christianity, large parts of Islam, but not as much of it, uh, and Judaism, uh, God is not con conceived of as being able to do things that are logically contradictory. So God couldn't make two plus two equal five because it's a logical contradiction. And uh, yeah, I, I would do wish that people would stop using that as some kind of argument uh, against God. It, it just fails uh, if you're talking to almost anyone who believes in God. Actually, it doesn't fail in the Abrahamic, or excuse me, in the Islamic faith, because well, the right. Islamic faith can lie to you. That Islamic God can lie yeah, to you, I, so he can violate logic. I, I did actually make an exception for significant parts of Islam in, in what I said. I said they're outside of large sections of Islam. There are some parts of Islam where that is the case. Um, like the Ahmadiyyas tend to be more on the uh, same page as Christians there, but they're a minor sect. Overall, Islam is the exception to that general rule in Abrahamic religions. So, yeah, I also agree there. All right. So from Leophilius for five bucks uh, for Mr. Batman, do you know what the difference between a prescriptive trait and a descriptive trait Yes, I sure do. A prescriptive trait is one that God has put in place. And a descriptive trait is something that we get to do. We get to describe something using uh, prescriptive laws like laws of logic in order for us to describe that I'm wearing a red shirt. Well, then we have to use the prescriptive law, the law of identity, so we can identify something called red and something called a shirt. We also have to have that law of identity so our senses will work. This law of identity is not just a requirement for our intelligibility, but it's also a requirement of our physical world. Without the law of identity, you don't get classifications of things, categories, or labels, which means you don't get sensory perception, you don't get chemical reactions, and you don't get life without that law. All right, from General Balzac for $5 to both. Is the use of dinosaur even a relevant designation for these creatures? Nope. Uh, I would say yes. Uh, like all, of course, taxonomic uh, identifiers, you, when they're being defined, you can simply define them differently. But there is a group of organisms called dinosauria, and there are, like in all of taxonomy, once you establish the label, it can be objectively determined which organisms belong to it. There are a number of ways to uh, define various taxonomic labels, and 
before they're defined, you can basically define them any way you want, but after a formal definition has been given, is it, it is actually a matter of objective science to figure out which ones are in. So we know, for instance, that platypuses and whales and kangaroos and humans are mammals, even though at the outset we could have defined mammal as some larger group that, say, just included reptiles. We didn't. But if we did, the group that's now mammals would still be a different group and it would need another name. So there is actually a real thing that's dinosauria. It just doesn't matter that it be called that. Actually, oh, wow. dinosaur, the word dinosaur didn't exist until a few hundred years ago. Before that, they were called dragons. That's why we have dragon legends in every single culture on the planet. All right, from Jay Shy for five bucks to Mr. Batman, can Mr. Batman define a dinosaur and show how birds aren't phylogenetically dinosaurs? What makes scientists qualify them as a dinosaur? Again, dinosaurs are extinct. Birds are not. Birds are specific. That would, things only reproduce according to their kind. Birds were created by a loving, logical, living creator God who designed them with information to function in a particular way that they did. They no longer do that. As a matter of fact, once the flood occurred, many of these dinosaurs could no longer withstand or actually uh, exist inside the new environment because of the oxygen change. When you look at brachiosaurs, brachiopods, they have the nostrils the size of a horse, but their heads are huge and their necks are 80, 80 feet long. What, why? Because the oxygen level was different back then. When the flood occurred, the environment changed and many of these things went extinct. All I have to say is that the answer could be summed up in a single word. No. <laughs> As you wish, sir. Okay, so Robert Luscombe says for $5, Kent Hovind cloned himself and named it Mr. Batman. I guess <laughs> take that as a compliment. Wait, Mr. Batman, are, are you, like, this would have had to have been when Ken Hovind was extremely young, because I think you two aren't too far off in age, if I'm not wrong. Um, I don't know. We're pro I'm probably a little bit older than he is. Oh, so maybe Mr. Batman cloned himself, and that maybe. became er, er, Ken Hovind. I'm about 60. I don't know how old he is. I'm not sure. We'll All have right. to him ask him. Also, uh, my mistake, Dapper, in the question from Jungle Jargon earlier, I misread it. He actually uh, busted you and called you Diaper Dino instead of Dapper Dino. And I, I skipped over it because I, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm like lightly dyslexic. I'm not 100% sure. I, I haven't gotten a formal diagnosis, but I'm always forgetting to like, I'm always mixing up the words. And I, and I skipped the sweet burn. So Diaper Dino. Jungle Dino. Uh, well, I feel I, I now feel belatedly burned. So there you Good. go. Good. Then, then the money was well spent. So from Lily R.O. for five bucks says, Mr. Batman says he only wants science and not religion while spitting religious point of view. Can you get any more hypocritical? Lily R.O. is coming for you, Mr. Batman. Well, actually, uh, it's not hypocritical to point to the truth. Jesus is the truth. You cannot know anything to be true without logic without laws of nature, and without the God of the Bible, a loving, living, logical lawgiver God. Once again, in order for us to know things to be true, knowledge is a justified, true belief. In order to know that, then you have to have truth. Truth is that which comports with reality. In order to know that, you have to know where time, space, and matter comes from. That's a timeless, spaceless, immaterial, all-powerful, all-knowing, loving, living, logical, lawgiver God that doesn't change over time. And we haven't even opened up the Bible yet. All right, from Liliaro again, for both and for two bucks, can we please get the real definition of the word dinosaur? So uh, if both of you guys want to give the definition for dinosaur uh, from your uh, viewpoint, uh, by all means, or you can pass, whatever you want to do. I'm just the model. I already gave mine dragon. Oh, fair enough. Uh, so 
in contradiction to my current esteemed debate partner, I will actually give a definition that allows you to actually look at any organism and tell whether or not it's a dinosaur. Dinosaurs are a group of diapsid archosaurs. So if you want to back up, diapsid got two uh, post or two temporal fenestrae, um, and that's the big thing there. They are archosaurs, so they have an antorbital fenestra. They have a fourth trochanter, which is a particular projection on the femur. Um, they also have three or more sacral vertebrae. That's vertebrae in the hip. Uh, their fourth trochanter is, in fact, asymmetric, as opposed to symmetric, as is the case of most other archosaurs. Uh, dinosaurs also have an open acetabulum, which is, again, the area in the hip where the uh, femur socket's into. Uh, there are a few other minor things, but if you've gotten to the point where you've been able to identify all of these, you can say with absolute certainty that this is in fact a dinosaur that you're looking at and conveniently for me uh, birds meet all of those definitions all right so from Fayon for 10 bucks hey big spender uh we've got um mr at mr batman since dogs were bred from wolves can you please explain why we still have wolves whoops there we go I was trying to mute myself since the train was going by again. Uh, again, all animals descend from their specific kind. The reason we still have wolves is because, again, there's all the genetic material necessary in there. When you look at the genetic material, uh, even from humans, humans were created with a perfect genetic structure from the first two humans. The first two humans had a perfect genetic structure and has descended since that time. Same is true of any kind of animal, dogs, cats, it doesn't matter. All of these animals started off with a perfect genetic structure and have descended since that time. Descent with modification, I believe Darwin called it. Uh, yeah, the only thing I would have to add is um, you can't get modern dogs from modern wolves without mutations. So it's already a violation of... Uh, creationist conceptions of uh, interrelatedness. All right, Mike Billers is coming in with five bucks to dunk on Mr. Batman. Sorry, Mr. Batman. He says, Mr. Batman, do yourself a favor and read up on the different types of sexual reproduction before you blather ridiculous nonsense in the next debate. Actually, I do know a lot about sexual reproduction. I'm just not going to share it all here. I would, I would agree. Um, you, well, some things you might want to look into are things like uh, fungal mating groups and uh, anisogamous uh, gamete in the terms of sexual reproduction. Even with that, they were designed to do it that way. They're way, designed with a particular genetic material that causes them to function in that particular way. That's why they only reproduce according to their kind. Uh, sometimes I'm just saying it's a cool thing to look into. It's not always an yes, argument. Okay, so from so looking into your kind. For five bucks, this one's at Dapper. I know he's gonna like this question. Uh, uh -oh. Say dinos evolved feathers for flight. If yes, why do we see some birds that can't fly? If not, what's your explanation of feathers from evolution? So um, <clears throat> feathers probably started evolving um, for two main uh, purposes in dinosaurs. The primary one is probably thermoregulation. Um, dinosaurs, we have histological evidence at least when young were almost certainly uh, either endothermic or very close to endothermic and being mesotherms, which means that uh, additional insulation would actually help them in their ability to uh, keep their body at a reasonably uh, steady temperature. Uh, the other option, which does not contradict thermoregulation, uh, is in fact display. Uh, many birds still use their feathers for display, uh, doing things like uh, recognizing conspecifics versus uh, intraspecific organisms. Um, doing uh, mating displays to demonstrate high fitness for potential females. Uh, but we also know that uh, thermoregulation was an important part of feathers long into their evolution. In fact, 
into the point where they started being veined as opposed to simple filaments or uh, phylloplumes. And the reason that we know this is because feathered dinosaurs that we know could not fly and do not seem to be descended from any flighted organisms had these, and we actually have preserved um, incubating behavior, especially in oviraptorosaurs, where they are sheltering their eggs with their arms in the same manner as a chicken, except that doesn't work unless you have extensive, uh, relatively stiff feathers. So we do know that uh, in non-avian dinosaurs, before there was any kind of aerofoil use for feathers, they had important other functions that, are, that were vital to those animals. Okay, so for uh, $2 from Bird Squad, uh, it just says for Batman. So, Mr. Batman, I think you got a fan out there. Bird Squad uh, donated 2 bucks in your name, so there you go. Super. Um, Thank from you. From Soul for $5, uh, I'm late. Who won? Um, I did Soul because I got to be here and hang out with other <laughs> I will leave that as an exercise to the audience. Maybe we can have a poll. <laughs> for from Dave Dalafior for two dollars um, says coming at you, Mister Batman. You had a fan, and, and now you've got a detractor. Uh, says Noah's Ark. Grow up, Batman. Noah's Ark. Well, again, this also tells us exactly how all the flood uh, happened and how we have all the fossils that we do. As a matter of fact, if you look at all the major tributaries, all the different river basins that actually pour out into the oceans, we find that there's 4,500 years worth of sediment at the base of those tributaries. We see that the erosion rate cannot sustain itself over millions of years, not even hundreds of thousands of years. As a matter of fact, when we look at uh, uh, paleontologist Mary Schweitzer, who found a T-Rex femur bone and found soft tissue and blood vessels and blood cells and other biological materials that cannot be hundreds of thousands, let alone millions of years old, we know that all these are evidence for a global flood. And guys, I don't want to be cutting things short, but it's almost 11 o'clock and this old bladder of mine is talking to me. We've got one more question, if you can wait for it, Mr. Batman. I can. I just want to add one quick thing on that. Um, the current video series that I am uh, is currently running on my uh, channel is called Creationism is a Mega Catastrophe. It's based on a talk about flood geology. So if you want to see my long form response to that, it'll watching the whole thing will take you several hours, but each individual video is much shorter. Head over to my channel, subscribe, and uh, stay tuned for those. So. Okay, and the final, I only guess, I, I guess I messed up. The last question is really a question, more of a statement uh, from Stuart Keating for $2. Stuart's trying to introduce politics into this conversation, which, bad Stuart, says, I don't know about birds, but Republicans are dinosaurs. So coming at you, Republicans, Stuart, we got a hater out there. So, um, and with that, I mean, that's all the super chats after, after the point where I was like, Jesus loves Trump. All right. Thanks so much for everybody being here. Thanks so much for our debaters tonight, Erica. Oh, I, Go ahead. I noticed someone in the chat answered a question as to who won. G-Man won. Oh, true. Yeah, true. G-Man did win. G-Man always wins. Yeah, so G-Man won the debate. Congratulations, G-Man. Thanks so much for that. I want to say that um, both Dapper and uh, Smokey will be having after shows, so... Uh, conversation will continue after Batman's bedtime. Sorry, Mr. Batman. <laughs> and uh, okay, and uh, thank you, Mr. Dapper, for uh, entertaining this conversation. It's been entertaining. Yeah. It has been. Thank you. And, and thanks so much for that, and Erica. Again, thank you for you. Thanks for all the super chats. And also, you, I just want to mention one thing: is um, if James hasn't already, he'll put it in the description. We have a, a person named Caitlin who is, has a degenerative brain issue, and 
to be honest, like I watched her her story and it was it was actually pretty touching. Like I I don't want to get like mushy or anything, but like it almost like pulled a tear. You know, like it's 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 that if you watch her video, it's it's uh it's very touching. So if you do have some extra funds and um you you feel like uh, being charitable, um, I'm sure Caitlin would really appreciate it. She needs help to pay for her treatments. So. Um, feel free to check that out. If it's not in the description already, it will be. It's in the last debate with, with Milo in that description if it's not in this one already. Mm. All right. Yeah. So I think there's some common ground there. We can all agree that that's a worthy cause. Absolutely. Amen. And with that, thanks so much. We're going to end the stream here. And as usual, keep sifting the reasonable from the unreasonable. Repent or perish. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.